Welcome to the political beatdown with Ben Micellis and Michael Cohen. On today's show, we will discuss the new bombshell court filing in Dominion's $1.6 billion defamation lawsuit against Fox set to go to trial in April. The new filing has unsealed text messages and unsealed deposition transcripts and unsealed emails. And we will react to this because this is some blockbuster stuff here. And Donald Trump is reacting to the release of these messages in the Dominion filing. And Trump is now attacking Rupert Murdoch for testifying accurately in the deposition about what the text messages say. Apparently, Trump wanted Murdoch to lie under oath, something that Trump probably does all the time. And Trump's accused Murdoch of throwing the Fox anchors, quote, under the table. We will discuss that and some of Trump's other unhinged rants over the past 48 hours. And there were more committee hearings taking place this week. And these are committee hearings that are scheduled by the MAGA Republicans because they think that leaning into their conspiracy theories in public forums where there's actual ability to have debate and not just facts, Fox sound bites is like a good look for them. But I'm just loving these committee hearings because you actually can see the contrast between the MAGA Republican conspiracy theories and taking things out of context and Democrats on the committees just telling it how it is. But we are going to start off by checking in with Michael Cohen. Always at the top of the show, we see how Cohen is doing. Michael Cohen, how are you? You know, today is another crazy day. So to share with my political beatdown brigade, the uh, meeting that I will go to next, which is the district attorney of New York, uh, is not going to be Thursday. It was pushed back to Friday uh, due to scheduling issues. Most probably the scheduling issue was really Lanny, who's coming in from uh, from D.C., and uh, maybe Thursday wasn't a good day for him. And obviously, I need Lanny there uh, for both support as well as um, your lawyer support. Yes, my lawyer. Suffice it to say, um, this is not, and I want people to understand that this is no longer sit-downs, investigatory uh, work and so on, but rather this is um, preparation for what uh, I suspect is going to be a grand jury uh, preparation and possibly to discuss uh, my appearance and my presentation before the grand jury. So it's extremely exciting. You know, the other day on my Mea Culpa podcast uh, and soon to be released, I have Glenn Kirshner from Justice Matters uh, as the guest. And we actually bet $1. I almost felt like it was trading places. We bet a dollar on who would be right. I believe that the district attorney of New York will be the very first indictment to come against Trump and to hold him accountable for the various things that um, you know he's alleged to have done. You know, I tried to couch the terms, you know, allegations, you know, uh, potential, simply because we don't want to find ourselves uh, in trouble uh, for anything. So obviously, that's something that the DA himself, Alvin Bragg, has to do. But I am a firm believer that Bragg now sees the truth and that his misimpression of me early on um, based upon the things that Donald Trump 
has done and said about me all in the past that has been echoed by the Republicans on and on and on, as well as whether it be Fox News, OAN, Newsmax, and so on. Um, I believe he's seeing the truth and the fact that all of these allegations about me and all of the misrepresentations about me are inaccurate and that, um, you know, who's the real liar here? Is it me or is it Donald Trump? And look, I've acknowledged what I lied to. I acknowledged that I lied about the number of times I spoke, you know, to Donald about the failed real estate project in Moscow, the Trump Tower, Moscow. I stated before Congress the number three. However, the real number was 10. Um, yeah, that's a, that's a misstatement. Uh, is it anything on par to the 35,000 plus lies that Donald has told or that the Republicans are telling or like a George Santos or a Marjorie Taylor Greene or a Lauren Boebert or any of these other animals? The answer is no. And yes, I acknowledge that uh, the campaign finance violation I acknowledge the one that dealt with Stormy Daniels, not the one with Karen McDougal that I also pled guilty to. And obviously, if hopefully, hopefully our political beatdown brigade already knows this, hopefully that you've already read it in my book, Revenge. If not, I please ask you to do it so that I don't have to repeat myself. But going back, I am appearing again before the district attorney's office this week. I, of course, will keep you guys posted. You will see us again, of course, on Thursday, our regularly scheduled time uh, here at 3 o'clock Eastern, uh, 12 o'clock Pacific. So that's just one part. The second part that I need to also discuss is thank God for people like Congressman Jamie Raskin. Thank God for people like uh, Congressman Steve Cohn of uh, Tennessee. No relation, by the way. Steve Cohen, and it's just been reported in Ross' story, Steve Cohen, Salt, you got it there? So Steve Cohen basically went head-to-head with Jim Jordan, who happens to be the chair of that committee, basically, again, talking about the weaponization of the Justice Department. And if this is to be bipartisan and not some sort of a kangaroo, Mickey Mouse-type court, It is imperative that they look into not just the weaponization, as Jim Jordan would like and the other Republicans would like to show, that there's a weaponization by the Biden administration against the former president and other Republicans. But what about the weaponization of the Justice Department against, you know, against people like myself by the former president? If you can't look back, how do you look forward? And today there was a nice exchange of words by Congressman Steve Cohen, and by Jim Jordan. And I certainly recommend everybody, if you go to my uh, Twitter page, you can find it there. I'm going to post it as well on my Instagram, so you could follow me there or on my TikTok. This has to be a precedent. We must ensure that no president today, tomorrow, or ever has the ability to weaponize the Justice Department to do the things that Donald Trump has done, which is to incarcerate, to literally have me incarcerated because they did not want me to publish the first book, which was called Disloyal. So, you know, I'm all 
fired up on this shit. I can't handle it anymore. I would love to see bipartisan. The fact that there aren't Republicans screaming like I am, like Congressman Cohen, like Congressman Raskin, like Congressman Eric Swalwell, like Congressman Liu and Hakeem Jeffries, and even Senator Dick Durbin. The fact that there aren't more people screaming from the rooftops that this is not acceptable behavior in America. This is not acceptable uh, behavior by a president. Um, I don't understand that. That's what's so powerful about these committee hearings, because everything the MAGA Republicans do is projection. And when they go on Fox, and we'll be talking about uh, the new emails and the new uh, deposition testimony and the new text messages that have come out, which is, and, and a lot of messages from Rupert Murdoch as well, who knew and very clearly approved of the platforming of election disinformation to keep viewers. But when they do that whole projection routine on Fox or on their other right wing echo chamber media, they get away with it. And frankly, a lot of times, too, when they go on large media networks that both sides it, because there's only a certain amount of information and questions you could ask in a format where there's three to five minutes of questioning, you know, the MAGA Republicans can go on those uh, Sunday morning shows and basically filibuster it and get their talking points out and then basically not get grilled with any of the actual facts. But these committee hearings with very smart fact-based approach, the same type of approach we have here on the Midas Touch Network and on Political Beatdown, being utilized by Democrats is just so compelling. And there's so many examples of it. So I, I want to show some of the clips from the committee hearings taking place as we speak. And Michael, I want to get your reactions to it. So the first clip I want to show, uh, you mentioned Jamie Raskin. And Jamie Raskin reminds Lauren Boebert as Boebert's trying to, I guess, blame President Biden for uh, COVID. Um, uh, you have Raskin reminding Boebert that guess what? Donald Trump, when he was in office, was praising the Chinese President Xi for the way he handled things. It was Trump who was the one who was saying that China's doing a great job. Play this clip from the committee hearing earlier today. Cohen, I'm going to want your reaction to this one. And let's just go through a few of these clips today. So, Salty, play the clip. Um, you're right. President Trump was in office when the COVID virus was released from a lab in, in China, from the Wuhan lab. And he tried to make that very clear that this came from China. And reporters regularly dismissed that. I appreciate the gentlelady's passion. There are two facts that she should perhaps be alerted to. One is that Donald Trump, on more than 20 different occasions, defended the performance of the Chinese government, and specifically um, President Xi, in terms of his treatment of COVID-19, and said he was doing a wonderful job and a great job, and they were working closely, and they were constantly in touch. So if there's a problem with the Chinese government unleashing a virus, which has not been proven anywhere, but it certainly could be true, you would have to pin that on your uh, favorite president, Donald Trump, not on Joe Biden. The second thing is President Trump's own special advisor on COVID-19, Deborah Burks, I'm sure you're aware and you're, I'm sure you've read her book, uh, said that the lethal recklessness of Donald Trump's policies about COVID-19 cost Americans hundreds of thousands of lives. 
So you don't have to believe anybody on the Democratic side of the aisle. That's Donald Trump's own special advisor on COVID-19. Thank you for yielding, and I have to yield back. Facts matter. Facts matter. Yeah, you know, thank God. Thank God for Jamie Raskin. And, you know, I hope he's feeling better and speedy recovery, you know, from you know, his situation. Um, but thank God for him for literally calling out the stupid because Lauren Boebert is just that. The, she's just stupid. And what is this? This is merely projection. I would love for each and every one of our brigaders to think for us, let's stop for one second. And I would like for each and every one of you to think, name one specific time that Donald Trump acknowledged that he made a mistake, that he did something wrong? And the answer is you can't. I know for a fact because, again, I was with him for more than a decade before he ever decided to join into this political arena. Donald Trump is incapable of acknowledging error. Do we not remember when that moron Mike Pence got up onto the stage, I think it was at CPAC, another fucking joke of an organization, right? CPAC. He's standing there and he's saying that he has facts and information from the president that says that this is just like a flu and that everybody should go back to work. He's got this under control. It will be gone before the end of the week. Well, really, after a million people, a million Americans died, think about that for a second when you think about people sitting at the dinner table and missing somebody at that table. Right. Think about, you know, at family functions when an aunt, an uncle, a mother, father, sister, brother, cousin, you know, friend is not going to be there. Why? Because Donald Trump does not acknowledge that science exists. He does not acknowledge that this coronavirus was as serious and he tried to whitewash it. And this is not my words. And Salty, if you could find it. Do you remember when Donald Trump turned around and said, to the American people that he did not want Americans to get nervous. He didn't want to scare them. And so he downplayed the coronavirus. The fact that he did something like that, to me, should have been an automatic impeachment. This is the president of the United States, a man who was elected, right? Whether you voted for him or not, he was elected president to serve the American people. And he's afraid to tell you the truth because he doesn't want it to cause some sort of pandemonium. That's not even the truth either. The bottom line is that this fucking moron refused to listen to people like Dr. Anthony Fauci. He refused to listen to anybody other than the people that were feeding him the same stupidity and the same false misinformation, disinformation, or malinformation that he wanted to speak so that he could then, what, figure, hope that maybe it disappears on its own and then he could be, you know, the winner? I mean, it's like Munchausen by proxy. That's really what it is. He expected this thing would go away like a flu would go. I mean, do we not remember this idiot said, hey, let's maybe inject chlorine or Lysol into people's lungs? Hey, and then he said, remember to Dr. Burks? He goes, 
You know, what about um, using like um, light therapy? I mean, I know that you've studied that really significantly, very strongly, because, you know, he's got the best words. I know you did that very strongly. And people say that it's a possibility. I mean, what fucking episode of Star Trek does this idiot think he's living in? Enough is enough. And at the end of the day, he lied to the American people, all right, about what he should have known had he listened to the experts. But then again, he'll tell you he has an uncle who works at MIT. And I don't even know if that's true because I've actually asked Don and Eric whether they have an uncle that works. He didn't know who he was talking about. So that he is an uncle that works at MIT, which, of course, makes him smarter than everybody else. He knows more about the military than the generals. Have you not noticed that the man claims to know more about everything than everybody else, especially the experts? He knows more about religion than the clergy. He knows more about military than the generals. He knows more about science than the scientists. The guy is a fucking idiot. And the fact that we are even contemplating, the fact that there's even an American out there that's contemplating Donald Trump running again in 2024 and providing their support for him, whether it's as a vote or monetarily, really should scare the shit out of each and every one of us. Look, this isn't WWE wrestling. This isn't some (laughs) bizarro movie. You know, this is life or death. And so when we think about the video clip of Lauren Boebert doing her kind of fascist shtick, and then you have Jamie Raskin, again, just stating the facts in a very just objective way. Here are what the facts are. Americans have to think, who do I want to make the decisions for my life? Who do I want to make the decisions for my family's life, for my community's life, for our country, for our neighborhoods? Do you want Lauren Boebert doing it or do you want Jamie Raskin? And look, I think it is important that Jamie Raskin's approach, though, also comes from the fact that he's a renowned constitutional scholar. I think that's an important fact about his his background versus Lauren Boebert, you know, struggled, you know, to even be able to run a, a you know, a, a restaurant that frequently was cited for causing lots of people to get sick very, very, ben, very frequently. But Ben, one thing that I just want to jump in here with you and share with you is as the president of the United States, he is responsible for not just those that voted for him or the Republicans uh, that are MAGA. He's responsible for all of us. And when the president of the United States speaking on behalf of all of the people that work underneath him, the entire cabinet, the entire administration, that it's, it's, it's nothing more than a flu. It's just, a, it's, a, it's a virus. It'll go away in a few days. You could, you know, go on and live your life. You know what people did, Ben? They went ahead and they lived their life. They went out and you know what they also did? They ended up contracting the coronavirus and they died. All right. That's the truth. And I can't tell you the number of people, including people in my family who died as a result of the coronavirus. All right. So when Donald Trump turns around and he tells you something, you can't believe it. And the fact, again, that the guy is potentially going to be the Republican nominee. 
How do we get the Republicans to wake the fuck up and understand? This is a man who will lie to you right to your face. He will lie to the people who are supporting him, even if it will cost you your life. And why? Because he thinks it will benefit him, that it will make him look like a strong leader if he tells you that is nothing there, move on, go on with your life, go back to work. Nothing to see here, folks. And then you end up dying. And not one person, not a thousand, not like 65,000 people who allegedly die each and every year of the flu. We're talking about a specific type of flu. We're talking about a specific virus, the coronavirus, that people like Dr. Anthony Fauci, an epidemiologist extraordinaire, warned him and warned the administration and warned the American people not to take this lightly. He then told him, you're wrong, I'm right. Americans listened to him and a million people died here in America. A million Americans died, all right? That's the guy that you want as the president? This is really scary stuff, Ben. Which is why they have to spread conspiracy. It's why their outrage uh, echo chamber and the outrage they manufacture therein is so important because if they could keep you very scared about pronouns and get you very scared about Disney movies or very scared about Mr. Potato Head or artificial intelligence or whatever the new uh, boogeyman du jour is, you're not focused on the fact that the MAGA Republicans are picking your pockets. They're literally stealing your money and giving it to their billionaire friends. And you're not focused on the things that are actually really things to to try to address things that are really killing you because of their policies. And as we say, it's it's all projection when it comes to MAGA Republicans. And these committee hearings really prove that point. Here's another hey, clip. Ben, of- ben, let's before we go to the clip, can we not just sort of use as an example Jim Jones from the Jonestown massacre. He didn't tell the people, his followers, his cult followers, that he was going to poison them with the Kool-Aid, with the poison Kool-Aid, and how many tens of thousands of people ended up dying. Is there any difference between what Jim Jones did and what Donald Trump did? Donald Trump, either he refused to listen to what the experts were saying, or he purposefully ignored it. Either way, it's silence, and it's the same type of silence and misdirection and lies that Jim Jones told his followers on that fateful day. So, you know, again, you know, it's just something that came to mind because we do have to sometimes, you know, make these comparisons as ugly as they are, right? We do have to make these comparisons, especially in light of the fact A million people, a million Americans died unnecessarily. Well, if you gave Jim Jones the nuclear codes and you gave Jim Jones full access over the federal government, you'd probably have a slightly less worse result than what Donald Trump brought (laughs) to the United States, if if we're being completely honest. And I saw a comment to this point, and I'll just make this point before going back to, to Jamie Raskin. Look. Do I agree with President Biden 
and the Democrats on every single issue? No, I, I probably disagree on a lot of issues. I just know that there are adults in the room right now who are trying to take these matters seriously and try to come up with the right solution, whether it's on jobs, healthcare, education, making sure that women can control their own bodies, making sure that LGBTQ plus people can marry who they love and focusing on our military vets. It's a serious approach versus a very unserious approach. And these are very serious times. And a very serious person in these very serious times is Jamie Raskin. And he points out that uh, Comer, who is MAGA Republican Comer, who's like the head now of the oversight committee, you know, all these MAGA Republicans are talking about weaponization and Twitter was weaponized by the Democrats. And it's like, wait a minute. Who was the president of the United States during the time period that you are talking about weaponization? Like y'all realize that in October of 2020, Donald Trump was the president, that Christopher Wray was appointed by Donald Trump, that Bill Barr works for Donald Trump and covered up all of Donald Trump's stuff. You're calling these people rhinos or Democrats now? They couldn't be further from Democrats. And one of the things that Jamie Raskin points out here, in addition to that is, look, uh, uh, Comer, you and the MAGA Republicans stated over the weekend that you are calling up the head of AT&T, who has not put Newsmax, has not renewed their contract with Newsmax, not because of any political view. Heck, AT&T is one of the top donors to the, Repu to the Republican parties. There are less people who watch Newsmax than who watch the Midas Touch Network in the first five minutes of our video. Like, let's be clear, like the Newsmax ratings are so far less than the Midas Touch ratings. Like we get five, 10, 20, 50, sometimes 100 times the views of Newsmax. And you don't see us saying you need to make sure we get on every cable network or else. Yet you have the MAGA Republican members of Congress who are threatening AT&T that you need to platform Newsmax. This right here is actual weaponization. This is collusion. This is using the government and it's out in the open. Jamie Raskin does an incredible job pointing this out. Here, play this clip. Twitter and Facebook. And if we're going to confront this problem of people using their public offices and state power to try to intimidate, then let's do it in a comprehensive way. Let's take an example, Mr. Chairman, that you'll recognize immediately. Over the weekend, you appeared on Newsmax, and you boasted that you had told AT&T, a private company, that they needed to restore Newsmax to carrying DirecTV or face the consequences. To quote you verbatim, quote, I'm very upset that DirecTV doesn't have Newsmax on there. I've been in constant communication with the leadership of AT&T and DirecTV. I've strongly encouraged them to meet with your CEO, Mr. Ruddy, to get this worked out or else, or else. Now, I have no opinion about whether or not AT&T should carry Newsmax. Apparently, it was purely a, a business decision, according to the Wall Street Journal, and I'll ask unanimous consent to introduce this editorial by the Wall Street Journal called The Right's Wrong Attack on DirecTV over Newsmax. A commercial dispute isn't about censoring conservatives. Without objection. So we can submit that. There was also a letter written by 42 of our colleagues, uh, including the chairman, um, to 
directly to AT&T demanding that they carry Newsmax. Now, um, and the premise of it was there was some kind of left-wing conspiracy or so on, and the Wall Street Journal completely debunked that, saying political coercion of business is as distasteful from the right as it is from the left. But if threatening official course of pressure like this, follow our orders or else, applied against it, um, not just private social media entities, which is what they're proposing in this bill, but against any media entity, it would transform um, politics in America in the meaning of the First Amendment. But if we're going to do it, let's do it. And the First Amendment says if this is going to apply to the Internet, if it's going to protect Twitter, arguably, which is the conceit or pretense of this uh, bill, it should also protect AT&T against getting coerced into making a deal it doesn't want to make and spending millions of dollars it doesn't want to spend uh, with Newsmax. I think it's such a good point right there. I mean, it's what is more coercive point. than the chairman, a Republican chairman of the Oversight Committee threatening uh, AT&T's executives to carry Newsmax when it's not a profitable network they, they they're forcing a company to pay millions of dollars you know it's a carriage fee dispute where newsmax claims that they are entitled to money that is inconsistent with their very low viewership and at&t's like well if you drop your carriage fee we will still carry you on the network we're just not going to pay you tens of millions or hundreds of millions of dollars um because you it's just you're not getting the views yeah, look, there's a bigger problem that goes on here. Now, all of a sudden, you have Newsmax, which, of course, is it's part of the Donald Trump campaign arm. So Chris Ruddy, the president's CEO, is somehow exerting pressure over the likes of a Jim Jordan or some of these MAGA Republicans in order to do his bidding. And to go up against it's a David and Goliath scenario. But let me then give you a better example, something that you should be entitled to, something that I should be entitled to, and something I'm desperately trying to get, which would show the weaponization of the Justice Department, which you know goes right back to my whole story on an unconstitutional remand. So, for example, I have an attorney by the name of Mark Zaid, and Mark Zaid has brought FOIA requests against the government in order to get documents, and those documents will show beyond a reasonable doubt to anybody, including maggots, that what the government did was unconstitutional and illegal. But of course, they don't want to do it. The court has told the FOIA office, they've told government that you need to start processing uh, what was originally zero documents that um, related to the FOIA request to over 480,000 documents that relate to that FOIA request. So now they're required to provide 500 documents a month that was supposed to start going back to August of 2022. And I tell this story not because it's my story, but simply because we as the American people, we are entitled to this information. It's Unless it's top secret, then which of course you see it goes into everybody's houses, you know, from Donald all the way down. But here's what we just got after seven additional months 
and another court directive for them to start to provide the documentation, we received literally on the 23rd of the month, we received from the FBI a document stating that as of today, 504 pages were reviewed and zero pages are being released. Could you imagine? We're talking about my case, which was pleading guilty to a one-page information. 504 pages reviewed, zero being released. 497 pages are being withheld for referral or additional consult, while seven pages are being withheld as being duplicative. I mean, could you imagine the frustration that I have Mark Zaid, Brian Karam, you know, journalist who helped me with my book, Revenge? Could you imagine the frustration that Americans have in order to get something that we are entitled to? Instead, you have now these MAGA Republicans. You have the likes of Jim Jordan and others, Lauren Boebert asking for things that they're not even permitted to ask for, that they're doing things that they're not even legally entitled to do. And they're acting in a way which goes against the Constitution of the United States. So once again, to the brigaders, this bullshit has to stop, which is why I continuously say we need to build this brigade so big that when it comes to a Newsmax, right, when it comes to OAN, when it comes to Trump's fake social media platform, that we have the ability, us, the political beatdown brigade, have the ability to put an end to it. And the fact that somebody like um, Lauren Boebert or Jim Jordan, that they should be exerting influence on AT&T in order to force a private a business transaction. I didn't know that we have the ability to get our members of Congress to do our bidding for us. I mean, I know I haven't had that, and I'm pretty sure none of you had either. But then again, you're not up the ass of Donald J. Trump, and you're not his, you're not his political campaign arm of misinformation, disinformation, and malinformation. Maybe if we were then maybe we would be entitled to the things that I'm asking for or the things that they're asking for. What, what's happening to this country? It's really well, as shocking, ask, Ben. As, as you ask that question, you know who apparently is entitled to it, Cohen? The insurrectionists who Republicans call political prisoners, in addition to turning over the surveillance footage from the Capitol building on January 6th to Tucker Carlson, and Tucker Carlson's producers, we are now also learning that the Republican leadership in the House of Representatives are moving to let the January 6th insurrectionists, who are defendants, have access to the Capitol security footage as well. The MAGA Republicans in the House of Representatives are fighting really hard against the objections of the Department of Justice to make sure that these insurrectionists get information that could indeed lead to the insurrectionists learning about things like the movements of members of the um, Senate and the House of Representatives and security on January 6th and secret rooms and safe rooms and things like that. And look, the MAGA Republicans say, oh, don't worry, that's not the stuff we're going to share with them. But guess what? There actually is something called courts, right? And in these cases, the criminal defendants in federal court are entitled to discovery that is relevant to their case. 
And guess who makes the decisions of what is the relevant information? It's not supposed to be people like Kevin McCarthy. It's supposed to be Article 3 federal judges who make that decision. And so discovery requests are made to turn over video footage, which all of the January 6th insurrectionists and their lawyers make those requests. And as it relates to them, they can get that information, but they don't need and usually aren't allowed to get information that is part of criminal investigations by the Department of Justice that don't relate to them. But this is what I mean. Like to me, you know, is is this show a political show? Well, it's called political beatdown, but in the sense, what we're trying to beat down is the fact that our politics have been infected by fascism masquerading as a political party when we should all as Americans say, wait a minute, we're giving the Capitol surveillance footage over to the terrorists and and that's what a group of people are fighting for. That's a very bad thing. You know, we should be looking at. Yeah, let's let's, but let's break this whole thing down here. Right. Forty thousand hours were given to fucker Carlson and Fox News exclusively. Now, you and I may not agree on everything. I believe wholeheartedly in transparency. And I hear a lot of the the Democrats in this specific case saying, well, those tapes show the positioning of cameras and you can see angles and so on. First of all, those cameras need to move. They need to be rotating so that there is not a single inch of the people's house that is not covered by video. So anyone that goes into that Capitol needs to understand Every single movement except inside of the lavatories are being recorded, not just for your protection, but for the protection of members of Congress, for the protection of the people's house and so on. I have no issue with the fact that it was given um, away. What I have an issue is why Kevin McCarthy had the sole ability to give it to one group meaning Fox News, who, who are election deniers, who are insurrectionist deniers, propagandists, that they give it to this fucker Carlson, who we already have information. We have text messages on him with Sean Hannity and Laura Ingraham sending back and forth messages that could you believe how stupid this is? And they go and they then continue to promote this again, lies, the misinformation, disinformation, malinformation to the American people. And let me then jump in once again on something that I routinely say. And yet their programs are still top rated, that there are still God knows how many millions of people that are watching their shows. How could you possibly watch somebody who called you stupid, who called you nuts, who lied to your face as a journalist, as a reporter, as the host of a show that's supposed to be promoting the news. I believe that if it was given to Fox, it should be made available to everyone, ABC, NBC, MSNBC, CNN, um, CBS, everybody, PBS. It should be made available to all Americans. No one group, especially not Fox News, especially not fucker Carlson, should have the right to possess all of that information.
And look, you know, I think I've said this before, you know, fascism is a form of an abusive relationship. And where you have someone like Donald Trump so abuse his base, but then feed them lies and feed them peanuts, life is very complicated. We live in very complicated times. And you could try to unpack the complicated nature and try to find solutions which is what the pro-democracy community and Democrats are offering. Okay, let's focus on bringing manufacturing jobs. Let's actually build infrastructure here. Let's increase wages. Let's focus on strengthening unions. Let's focus on lowering prescription drug prices. Let's make healthcare accessible to all. But those things also to implement are hard and messy um, and take a lot of thought and process. Fascism sometimes works because it's easy just to say it's the China virus, that's it, and just repeat it over and over again. And it takes complicated topics and makes it in a way that uh, people can just say, you know, okay, got it, that's it, that's but it. The problem and not then, think and about their situations. Yeah, but, but that's the problem, why the messaging is so important. Sure, but the problem here is that the way that Trump uses information, the way that he relays the information to the American people, it's comical. I mean, think of that fat orange face with the, with the cotton candy sweep, you know, flip, flap, flop, as I like to have called it in my first book. Think about him sitting there and going, it's the China virus, all right? The China virus, China China. And everybody thinks it's funny. By the way, the president is not supposed to be a comedian. Funny as shit is the fact that the Ukrainian president, Volodymyr Zelensky, is actually a comedian who's acting like a president. Here in America, we had a president who thought he was going to act like a fucking comedian, but he's just not funny. There's nothing funny about a virus that could wipe out the, you know, a million people with, like that. And to sit there and to tell people, look, again, I could go on and on. This, you know, this is so ridiculous on so many levels and allowing our members of Congress to act like the mob, which is what they're doing. When you have somebody as a member of Congress using political sway to threaten a private entity, even though at t is a publicly traded company, right? to threaten that other company that either you do something that our fearless leader, the self-proclaimed Fuhrer, monarch, dictator, supreme leader, that what he wants, that's a real problem. That to me is if you go back and you start watching The Godfather, that's exactly the same mentality that exists in that movie that's existing right now in our Congress. And this is gross. And, you know, it's important because large media networks did not take that threat seriously. So, and they still don't take that seriously. They still want to promote the next fascist in DeSantis and, and they lean into that. There are so many great Democratic governors. I mean, look at the great work that Gretchen Whitmer is doing in Michigan. Do you ever even hear the national media talk about Governor Whitmer? But how many times do they talk about DeSantis each and every day when he is espousing these very fascist policies? But we need to bring that contrast here as political beatdown. The other shows 
on the Midas Touch Network, as Maya Culpa and others now have the same audience. In fact, larger audiences on many shows than large media networks. Now, speaking about the contrast, I also want to show you from the committee hearings earlier in the day, a clip from Eric Swalwell, who points out that you know, when the MAGA Republicans wanted to do this kind of performative pledge of allegiance before they hold these committee hearings, you already do the pledge earlier. So they want to like do the pledge each and every time. I guess they thought that Democrats were not going to vote in favor of the pledge of allegiance because MAGA Republicans focus on just those performative issues. Well, the first person, it turns out, that Gates brought to do the Pledge of Allegiance was actually a murderer. He found a murderer, brought the murderer into the Capitol building, who he claims he met at a gun shop, and that is who led our Pledge of Allegiance in the Capitol building. Watch this clip from Eric Swalwell exposing it all. One of the very first committees, the very first committee hearing of this Congress Mr. Gates, after we'd all agreed on what the committee's plan was going to be, it was going to be voice voted, everyone agreed, Mr. Gates wanted to offer an amendment to say the Pledge of Allegiance. That's great. Every single person on our side supported that. Now, I don't think he really genuinely cares about saying the Pledge of Allegiance, but he wanted to do it again to own the libs and to see if we would vote against it. We didn't. But who did he bring in here to say the Pledge of Allegiance? Who did he parade in here in a uniform? Somebody that he met at a gun club, he said, locally. Okay, Mr. Cicilline had the crazy idea that maybe we should vet the people who come in here, make sure they're not insurrectionists. Mr. McClintock, I am not kidding you. Mr. McClintock said, well, it's not like we're going to invite somebody who committed murder. No, he literally said that. It's not like we're going to invite somebody who committed murder. Okay, well, who did Mr. Gates bring? He brought Corey Beekman. Corey Beekman, in 2019, was in a standoff with the Michigan police after he was arrested and charged with murder, assault with the, to in, in, intent to commit murder, and two counts of felony firearm possession. The family of the victims said Mr. Gates doing that, it was like getting a dagger stuck in our heart again. We were infuriated when we first saw it. I was disgusted with the whole thing. That's why there's a trust deficit here. You pull off a public stunt to try and own the libs, and what you did was you brought in a guy who allegedly shot two people and killed one of them. That's where the trust deficit is. So you can play your games, conduct your stunts. We're here to get shit done. You're here to play your games, conduct your stunts. We're here to get shit done, Congressman Eric Swell. And here's one other clip I want to show. This is Gates questioning a witness um, uh, who works, I think, in the uh, State Department. Um, and what Gates is citing as his evidence is actually just Chinese propaganda. Like he's literally reading the uh, Chinese propaganda. The Global Times is a daily tabloid newspaper under the auspices of the Chinese Communist Party flagship newspaper, the People's Daily, commenting on international issues from a Chinese ultra-nationalistic perspective. This is the source that Gates is reading and the MAGA Republicans are reading. Here, play this clip. Is the Azov Battalion getting access to U.S. weapons? Uh, not that I'm aware of, um, but 
If you have information, uh, I seek unanimous consent to enter into the record the Global Times investigative report that uh, indicate that talks about training. It's uh, from the Atlantic Council's Digital Forensics Research Lab, uh, citing that the Azov Battalion was even getting stuff as far back as 2018. Without objection, so ordered. Any reason to disagree with that assessment, Doctor? Is this Paul? the? I'm sorry. Is this the Global Times from China? No, this is. Well, that's what you read. Yeah, it might be. Yeah, would that be a reason? Uh, I, I, as a general matter, I don't take Beijing's property. Well, no, no. Yeah, but just tell me if the, if the allegation is true or false. I mean, uh, it, I don't have any evidence one way or okay. the other. As a general matter, I don't take Beijing's propaganda at face value. Fair, fair enough. I would agree with that assessment. April 2022. Uh, I'm, oh so, my I'm, God, so, I'm sorry, That's crazy. That's crazy stuff. Know, you can't make you can't make this stuff up. You know, I actually after Matt Gates somehow successfully avoided prosecution, despite the fact that his buddy, Joel Greenberg, uh, is, go is doing time, you know, for a crime that they both committed, that there's documentation, whether it's the transfer of money through Venmo to emails and text messages. I really thought that Matt Gates was going to do something better. He wanted to be better. Right. I, I don't know why I had that hope. I, I was hopeful, not optimistic, but I was hopeful the same way that I was hopeful. And I wanted to give the benefit of the doubt to Jim Jordan that this entire committee, this weaponization come the subcommittee on weaponization by the Department of Justice was not going to be a fucking Joe Kangaroo court that, you know, it's basically Hunter Biden's laptop, Hunter Biden's laptop. You know, oh, we're talking about right now sending military aid to Ukraine in order to fend off the Russian attack, which I'm sure everybody will acknowledge we would rather the war take place on someone else's soil than on ours. Instead, fuck that. Nobody cares about that. If you're a MAGA Republican, all they care about is Hunter Biden's laptop and Burisma. And so, I mean, this we are we are so divided as a country. And it's not just divided between Republicans and Democrats. We are divided now between the insane and the sane, between the, you know, the patriots and the anarchists, between the fascists and the demo and the democracy. Um, you know, this is insane what we're even watching. The fact that Matt Gates, who is not a stupid guy, I want to be clear, he's not stupid. The fact that he would quote or his people would give him a document by the Chinese government to quote at a congressional hearing when he is deposing somebody, you know, where's the sanctions? Where's the reprimands? Where's the removal from the committee? If you're going to waste not just the committee's time, but the American people's time and the witnesses' time, and there's no repercussions. Well, what do you expect? Yeah, why don't we just quote, you know, let's quote the, the guy who was the artist for, what was the uh, stupid, Dilbert, right? That's no longer, you know, able to act as a comic uh, artist or whatever, for, you know, for saying stupid racist shit. He is now suffering repercussions. Point being, there are no repercussions for anyone who's successful in winning an election. That then gives you immunity from being an asshole. 
I'll tell you why, Cohen, though, that I think that you said, I don't don't know why I hoped that they would take it seriously, but I held out a slim hope. And here's why I think you did. Because you still care about our country. And because you care about our country, you do want people who possess positions of power to act like adults. And maybe you hope that once they get into those positions, that they will understand uh, the importance of their role and that they will change. But I think as President Barack Obama once said, when people get these positions of power, whether it's uh, becoming the president of the United States or, or one of these other high-level positions, it tends to basically accentuate the characteristics that you've had. So if you were a diligent uh, person who cared about humanity, it should bring out those qualities more. If you are a horrible person, once you get that taste of that power, it actually accentuates that more. And when you gave those dichotomies that exist of the divisions, I think it was important that you pointed out that these divisions are really no longer here's Democrats and here's Republicans. And we don't even really talk about it that way on the Midas Touch Network. We talk about pro-democracy And then we talk about the fascism that has infected our politics. Because within pro-democracy, I want to be very welcoming of people who truly identify as conservatives and not just use that name, but do things that are actually the opposite of conservative. I want to welcome former Republicans. I want to welcome independents. I want to welcome people who are not affiliated with any political party or who don't like politics. I want to welcome progressives. I want to welcome liberals. I want to welcome everybody who's ready to have a serious conversation about advancing our national discourse, about improving our country, and who take these issues very, very, very seriously. And I'll give you the juxtaposition again here that that you laid out between normalcy of President Biden um, tweeting out and posting things about jobs and infrastructure and protecting Social Security and making sure seniors are protected, and on and on and on. And you compare it with what Trump, what Trump was saying over the past 48 hours, you know, calling uh, Jack Smith a mad dog psycho. I think we have the psycho prosecutor assigned to me for the document hoax. Jack Smith, question mark, is not only together with his wife, family, and friends, a massive Trump hater, blah, 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 blah. There's the other one where he just calls him mad dog psycho over the weekend, you know. And, and by the way, you know why he does the, the question mark after Jack Smith and what he's, the dog whistle there? He's saying that Jack Smith is not Jack Smith's real name. That's part of the conspiracy theory and implying in his own way, this is the signal that, you know, Jack Smith, like the Jewish globalist whose name really isn't Smith. That's the wink and the nod of why he does the question mark there. And he'll, he'll deny that, but that's very specifically the reason why he uh, does that. Um, and then you also have Donald Trump attacking Rupert Murdoch. And we've got those posts as well, where he says that Rupert Murdoch is throwing his anchors under the table, which also happens to be killing his case and infuriating his viewers who will again be leaving him in droves. They already are. There's massive evidence, blah, 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 where then he spreads election disinformation. And he's basing that on some of this new information that dropped uh, in the Fox legal filings, um, uh, or the, and the did you notice filings. what Donald did? Did you notice and did our 
brigade notice what that um, what that tweet by Donald on his untruth social platform, what it was really saying. You know how I always refer to Donald as like a mob boss that he speaks in code? So if you read through the lines, what is he basically doing? He's reminding Rupert that he has a massive contingency of uh, followers that are or could be former Fox viewership and so that they are leaving now in droves, right, because you're throwing the anchor under the table, which makes no fucking sense in and of itself. You don't throw you, you want to throw your shoes under the table. Well, how are you throwing an anchor under a table? One is in a boat. The other is. No, in no, 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 no. I, I analyze this, Cohen. You and I both thought right. the same way. This is what he means. And I, I had the exact same feeling that you did. Oh, trust I me. I know what he means here. This is basically a. It's an implied threat to Rupert to stop the shit against him, all right? Come back on board, right, with what Jared used to be uh, because Ivanka happens to be Rupert's kid's godmother and Wendy, Rupert's ex-wife is uh, Ivanka and Jared's kid's, you know, godmother as well. So they play that bullshit back and forth um, somehow. What this is really doing is this is supposed to be a threat to Rupert that get in line or you're going to financially suffer. I'm sorry, you were saying, Ben. So I was trying to look up idioms and say anchor under the table. Like, is this some expression that I've never heard before? And, you know, Trump barely makes sense in the statements that he that he says. But what he's actually saying, what I believe he's trying to say is, you're throwing your anchors, your news anchors, like Tucker and Ingraham and Hannity under the bus, but he doesn't know the expression under the bus. So he's saying you're throwing them under the table when he means under the bus. And what he's specifically referring to is the deposition testimony we have uh, from the new Dominion filing in their $1.6 billion defamation lawsuit. Um, and specifically, there's this one transcript and Salty. It's one of the last ones we have where it talks about the next day was January 6th. And it cites uh, deposition transcripts where it says, Rupert understood that Fox could do something about the false claims. Indeed, he believed Fox was uniquely positioned to state the the message that the election was not stolen. On January 5th, Rupert and Scott discussed whether Hannity, Carlson, and Ingraham should say some version of, quote, the election is over and Joe Biden won. He hoped those words, quote, would go a long way to stop the Trump myth that the election was stolen. Scott, that's Suzanne Scott, the CEO of Fox, when you're seeing Scott. So the CEO, Scott, told Rupert Murdoch that, quote, privately, they are all there. But, quote, we need to be careful about using the shows and pissing off the viewers. So nobody ever made a statement. The next day was January 6th. So privately, they are all there, meaning Hannity, Carlson, and Ingraham all were there 
that the election is over and Joe Biden won. Privately, they all made that statement and they were uniquely positioned to state that message. However, they ben, were worried about ben, pissing off. As much off as I leaders. would like to believe, as much as I'd like to believe, uh, you are giving a rational explanation to an improper, again, statement made by Donald who really has no command of the English language, the idiom that you're referring, anchor under the table, it doesn't exist. I looked it no, up it while it we, you exist. were reading this up. It does not exist. There's no such thing. And maybe he wants to make one up and he'll say, he's so clever, be with this man, woman, TV, camera, right? I mean, you know, person. You know, he, he, maybe he thinks he's going to make up some sort of a statement Anchor under the table. Oh yeah, I love. No, no, to I'm ask saying him, that. I'm saying that. What is isn't an idiom. He's not, re- but he's not referring to an- uh, the anchor. You know, uh, of the a show. Anchor? He's yeah. I don't know. He, uh, listen again. Why are we trying to figure out the as <laughs> they said in Young Frankenstein, the nonsensical rantings of a lunatic mind? Right. You remember that with the famous line by Gene Wilder? Right. It's the nonsensical rantings of a lunatic mind. That's unfortunately who we had. And if we all don't get together and we don't all start, you know, ensuring that the brigade continues and we are growing, folks. I I hope that you continue, you know, to see how great the show is actually doing in the, um, you know, in the charts where really, I mean, where we're, we're killing it. So thank you all for being a part of that. But we need to grow this to ensure that our voices are really heard and heard with the force and the power of a brigade. And that's why, again, you know, please make sure that you support Midas Touch, the Midas Network. Um, if you have a chance, check out my Mea Culpa podcast, check out Legal AF, check out Politics Girl, check out Midas Mighty. Check, just try to ensure that you stay within this group because this is the place that you will get your raw, unfiltered, and totally truthful information. No bullshit here. Not accepted, not accepted, not accepted. So we ask you, stay with us. Please support them so that we can continue to do this and we can continue to bring you updated news. And I promise you one thing, my brigaders, a lot of shit's happening right now in New York, uh, whether it's the attorney general and God bless our unsinkable Attorney General Tish James, who is going to financially slap that fat ass of Donald's like he's never been slapped before. All right, maybe mommy and daddy should have done it, but what he's going to do to that fat ass is something grotesque. And I mean, I think it's so grotesque, it would make the devil vomit. But at the end of the day, it's going to be, in my opinion, Alvin Bragg, who is sort of the He's like the long shot that nobody thought was going to happen. You're going to see a lot of things coming out of the DA's office, and I think he'll deserve a lot of kudos if and when that happens. Uh, I do believe that it's going to be sooner than later, so stay here. Stay with Ben and myself, 
and be the first to learn what's going on. Thank you, everybody, for watching this episode of Political Beatdown. Just to give you all the specific number, because I saw some of the comments in the Jonestown Massinger, Massacre. Yes, it was, was, it was about a thousand people. It was yeah, 900 cultists, 200 children were killed in the massacre there. Um, make sure you all get Cohen's uh, new book, Revenge. It's out wherever you can get uh, books and audio books, Revenge. Definitely check that out. Check out Cohen's other pod, Mea Culpa. It is great. We had the exclusive footage on the Midas Touch YouTube channel of his interview with Lev Parnas. That was one of the most compelling interviews. I think you can just do a full documentary of just you and Lev speaking for two hours and sharing stories. But for those who want to check it out on our YouTube channel, you at least get that hour for free right there. Make sure you see Cohen's interview with Lev Parnas and make sure you subscribe as well to Mea Culpa. With that said as well, make sure you subscribe to this YouTube channel. We are marching to 1 million subscribers in the month of March. And wherever you get your audio podcasts, please also subscribe to Political Beatdown wherever audio podcasts are available. Just search Political Beatdown um, and you'll be able to get it there. Also check out patreon.com slash Midas Touch, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash Midas Touch and join one of the memberships there to help grow this independent media platform. You could also check out store.midastouch.com for the best pro-democracy gear, including the official Mea Culpa podcast shirt, the Mar-a-Lardo Correctional Facility merch, the official one, 100% made in the U.S., 100% union made right there. 100% Mar-a-Lardo. 100% Mar-a-Lardo. want to thank everybody for watching this episode of Political Beatdown. If you want the full breakdown of the Fox filing, there's a 45-minute video that I did, which goes through every single page. It's on our YouTube channel. We will see you next time here on Political Beatdown. That will be on Thursday. Michael Cohen, always so much fun spending this time with you. Same Spreading the truth. And everybody, we really, and really thank appreciate Thank you to our brigaders. Yeah, exactly. Um, shout out to the Midas Mighty.